open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 27, and we will continue our study of David as we wrap up the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, David's uh, life, we often think about him, and there's probably some of the key highs and, and not very many lows that probably come to mind when we think about uh, becoming king over Israel and defeating David, uh, excuse me, defeating Goliath and uh, stories like that. And probably the one stone into the story that we often remember is Bathsheba. But as we go through this, I hope we'll see that there were a number of problems and distresses that happened in David's life. If you remember up to this point in the story, uh, we have had David running for his life from Saul. Saul is still alive. Saul is still trying to kill David. Uh, Saul is uh, after him such that, that David is living in a cave with uh, 400 other soldiers, essentially. And they're not really soldiers, but uh, a band of dis- distressed, indebted, and uh, basically rejected people in the land of Israel. Uh, that number has grown to 600. And last week we saw that David is acting as sort of a uh, free highway patrol of sorts and protecting the farms, protecting the lands. We read about Nabal last week who did not care that David had done that, was not willing to share any of uh, his goods, even though David had helped out those, those families uh, so much. And so uh, David seemed to overreact, and we went through that story last week. We, we have to remember now, though, as we're coming into chapter 27, uh, David's really still not in any better shape. Uh, David's still living in the, the wilderness, living in the fields, living in caves. He, he's not doing well, and that sets the tone uh, for how bad things are really going to be revealed to us here in chapter 27. Uh, David, throughout the scriptures, is pictured to us as, as a man of prayer, and And no doubt we see that because of the Psalms. Throughout the Psalms we see David uh, inquiring of the Lord and asking of God about his various difficulties and circumstances and and telling God the things that he needs. And even throughout the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, we'll we'll read about David repeatedly inquiring of the Lord as to what he's supposed to do. And and this is going to be a rare instance where we see David really... uh, come apart, it seems, in his life. Uh, This is a a story that I don't know I've really heard any lessons on uh, because it's it's not a a good story in David's life about how bad things really got. Notice in verse 1, and we see really how how bad uh, things were. It says, David thought to himself, one of these days I, I will perish by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is escape to the land of the Philistines, and then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I'll slip out of his hand. I want you to just try to grasp, really, the the desperation of what David is coming to in this conclusion. As he says, you know, uh, I'm done for. I mean, notice that conclusion. Saul's going to kill me. There's no way about it. I, I, I know the future. I know the way things are going right now, that it is clear within my mind, Saul's going to destroy me. I'm going to perish by his hand. It's the end. And so the only way for me to stay alive, so I guess I'm going to go live in the land of the Philistines the rest of my life, and that way Saul will finally give up, because this man will not leave me alone. It doesn't matter where I hide in Israel, he's still after me. And so 
At least that way he'll, he'll figure I, I'm out of the way and I'll live with the Philistines and that'll be the end of it. That, that is the conclusion that, that David is coming to. And before we get too critical of David, I think it is important to remember again how bad things are. He's running from a crazed king <laughs> uh, who uh, just spending all of his time trying to get him killed, hiding in the hills, leading this, this motley crew of of guys and having to feed an army literally trying to take care of them as as their leader he's the one in charge and nothing is getting any better nothing that David does seems to indicate that David is going to be king over Israel and I think that's what has to be fascinating about what we see David stating here as he speaks to himself we get some of the internal rationale going on in David's mind as he he just says you know I, I I'm going to perish. Now, now's the time. I'm going to perish by the hand of Saul if I stay around here. And it's interesting that it seems that if I were there, I would want to go up to David and say, Now, David, don't you remember that Samuel said you're going to be the king? In fact, he anointed you king. Don't you remember Jonathan, Saul's son, saying to you, You're going to be the king? We know you're the next don't you remember Abigail that we just saw a little bit earlier coming out and in her petition to David to not wipe out everything says, we know that you're the chosen one. We know that you're going to be king. We know that God is with you and is giving everything into your hand. Don't you remember, David, that even Saul himself admitted that, David, you're going to be the next king? Don't you remember any of those promises? And the answer is either no or he didn't believe it. it. Things have gotten that bad. That he just sits here and says, Saul's going to kill me. Time for me to leave. Uh, it, it's not going to happen. And you, I really feel like as we come into this chapter, we are really reading about David giving up on what he thought things were going to be like. And we'll see that as we go through 27 and 29 of how this all unfolds. It is very interesting in this chapter, we don't see David praying to God. We don't see David right here saying, now it's time for me to ask God what's going on around here. You know, uh, We see David just dealing with those inner emotions. You know, We often, uh, though not literally, call them our inner demons of sorts, where you're just kind of grappling with your own mind, your own emotions, your own difficulties. And really, I think that's the, the dark place that we read David at. And so in verse 2, we see that, that David just doesn't think it. He goes about doing it. Verse 2, David and the 600 men that are with him, they go over to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And it says there in verse 3, David and his men settled in Gath with, with Achish. I want you to think about it. I mean, I remember what the significance of Gath is? Why, he wiped out that Goliath from Gath, remember? That's where the champion warrior Goliath was from that we read about about a month ago in that story. Here is David, and he now is going to settle right there in the heart of enemy territory. The very guys that he was willing to go up against and battle and fight and say, God's with us, we're going to go into victory in that great scene that we saw. And we gave all those accolades to David about, here he is on the other side of that now, in the deep valley of life, and saying, I've got nothing else to do but to go live with those people. The, the very people I conquered back in my earlier age. And so, that's what we see him doing the rest of verse 3. He took his family with him. Uh, we see Abigail's part of the list there, verse 4. 
When Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. And then David was correct in his assessment. If I just leave Israel and just kind of give up on all this, if I just get out of Saul's hair and move to another country, uh, I'll have some peace. You know, I can imagine David thought, you know, I'll be able to sleep with both my eyes closed and not have to worry if Saul's just jumping up on me any second now and, you know, we can get the kids in school and settle down for a while and have a normal life instead of sleeping in caves and fields and all that. And I can kind of just picture David experiencing some relief, saying, you oh, know, I'm just going to live out here for a while. This will be better for us. And Saul gives up on this, but... I think what is interesting is that we're going to see uh, this is going to work out to be only a temporary solution. He's not going to be able to get away from his problems uh, as we read through the story. And I think that is uh, an important point as we we start off our story is that we see the distress of David. We see that it appears that David has given up and he's certainly dejected in all that has happened and finally just to decide, well, we're going to move to the land of the Philistines. Uh, We're going to be out here in Gath, for heaven's sake, which is outright absurd for any Israelite to think, to leave the land that they've been promised, to go outside the land of Canaan. We're going to go live in the land of the Philistines. And, you know, that's... Do you um, do you relate with David there? You know, when you get in those times of distress and difficulty, do you relate with David here at this moment where you kind of just throw your hands in the air and say, you know, if this is just the way it's going to be, I'm just going to give up, go down this road, be insignificant, not worry about anything else, just going to do what I think is best. That's, I think, where you see David out. I'm not going to consult God anymore. I'm just going to do what's best for me. Uh, I'm just going to just lay low, do what I think is right in my own eyes here for a while, and, and, and that'll be good enough. And I think that's where, where we, we see David, and I think that's often where we see ourselves at times in, in life's difficulties and times of distress as well. Uh, where's God? I, I'm just going to rely by, on my own hand. I'm going to have to do things myself. And uh, it seems that God has forsaken me and left me in this misery of life. And... I think that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. Uh, I think that's exactly where Satan wanted to press David at this moment, was to push him to that corner and and get him to that feeling of giving up and just saying, you know what, God's not with you. And to really drive home that feeling to David is all those promises and all those things that you were holding fast to for so long, David, in your belief that you would be king over Israel and, and all those promises given you to finally just to let go and say, you know, I, I yield, I give. That's what Satan wants us to do, is to get that feeling within us that, you know, God doesn't care. God's not with me anymore. I, I just need to give up on serving God. I need to just let go of worrying about spiritual things. I'm just going to do the things that I want to do. And it's often in those times of despair that we plunge ourselves into things that we think are going to make us feel better. Uh, some people... We'll choose alcohol and choose drugs, sexual morality. Maybe that'll make me feel better. Abandon our marriage. That'll make us feel better. We'll stop coming to services. That'll fix our lives. That'll make us feel better. Or we'll show up just enough to make sure nobody bugs us about it, and, and that'll be enough. Uh, we, 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 we'll throw in the towel, though, is what we're doing in life. We're just throwing in the towel. 
Uh, we're just saying, you know, uh, I'm just going to do what, what feels best for me, what feels right. I think it's interesting that David thinks that changing zip codes will, will fix it. You know, and well, we'll just move. That, that'll make everything all better. And, and sometimes that might be the choice that we want to make. And one thing that I, I just have learned in a short time of life that will probably become ingrained to me more and more as the years go by is that uh, physical changes never fix spiritual problems. I've just kind of learned that. How, do you, how, how else do you think a California boy ends up in Florida? It's because physical changes don't fix things. We want to think that, well, if we just move, we'll get away from our problems. We'll get, to, we'll get somewhere else and, and things will be all better. Or, you know, uh, you know I need, this, need, need some alcohol to be able to, be able to relax because, man, you have no idea how bad things are in my life. A friend of mine, he, he took up smoking. He can't quit now. But that's his relief. You know, that's, his, that's how he's going to feel better for all his problems that he has. And we do that. We, we try to find some physical outlet that that's going to fix everything. And we know what? We're, we're wrong every time. Those things don't fix it. And with David here, as he moves out to the land of the Philistines, that's not going to fix it. Uh, abandoning our marriage, that's not going to fix it. That's not going to be the fresh start we need. Sexual morality, just you know, anything that you think of, that it's going to be that fix. It's going to fill that void. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And so we can pick sinful activities or things that aren't sinful but are just physical tweaks and changes to life. But that's not going to address the greater problem of you're in a trial. You're in distress. You're dealing with a great difficulty. And all the little changes of getting a new job or getting a new house or whatever doesn't change the reality and doesn't change the pain of what we go through as it did with David. Notice in chapter 27 and verse 5, he goes to Achish, the king of Gath, and David just simply asks to be given some little town that he can live in. Uh, verse 5, if you found favor, if I found favor in your eyes, uh, let a place be assigned to me, the one of the country towns that I may live there. Why should your servant live in a royal city with you? David says, you know, I'm your servant. Uh, I'm beaten down. I just think Achish's eyes got real big when David came in what are you doing here? You know, uh, uh, what could you possibly be doing here? And here is David. I am your servant. Will you give me some small little country town that me and my family can live in? We've been driven out of Israel. The great warrior of Israel, the next king, is now asking as a servant of this king of the Philistines for some little town to live in. Very dark days for David. Verse 6. Achish gives him Ziklag. Put that on your zip code. Ziklag, Florida, right? That's a great, great town that he lives in. Uh, and notice that this is not something that you sit there and go, oh, well, he just needed a temporary relief. Notice that verse 7 says he lives there a year and four months. I mean, he has moved his residence. Uh, he now is living in the Philistines. Interesting, Ziklag, this show goes to show how strong the Philistines were. Ziklag was originally part of Simeon's inheritance. It is in the land of Judah. That's how far west, or excuse me, east, the Philistines have moved over and have conquered so much during the times of the judges. And here's Saul reigning as king. And this is a town that's supposed to be part of Judah, but it's not. It's a Philistine town uh, at this time. And so David lives there. For a year and four months, we're told in, in verse 7. 
Now, the rest of the story is, is somewhat interesting because the Philistines want David to work for them. Uh, he's got 600 guys. Uh, they're, they're pretty good. I've been working as the highway patrol out there and fending off the, the thieves and the raiders that have been coming in there. And so uh, Achish asked him to do some work for him. Verse 8, uh, David and his men go up and they start raiding the Gershites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. Uh, and verse 9 says, Whenever David attacked an area... He did not leave man or woman alive, but took sheep and cattle, donkeys and camels and clothes, and returned to Achish. Achish would ask, where have you been raiding today? Notice what David would tell Achish, where he'd been. David would say, I've been against the Negev of Judah, or the Negev of Jeramiel, or against the Negev of the Canaanites. All those are Israelites. All those are Judah towns. Now he's saying, I've been fighting my kindred men. I've been fighting the people of Israel, the Canaanites, remember, that's where Caleb came from. He's a Canaanite. And so that's what he's saying here. He's saying, oh, I've been going up against my own men. Verse 11, he did not leave a man or a woman alive to be brought to Gath, for he thought this might, they might inform on us and say this is what David did. See, Achish is telling David, I want you to go and attack into Judah. And David is actually attacking the enemies of Judah, but he has to kill them all so that none of them will ever come back to Achish and say, he didn't attack Judah, he's, he's attacking us. So he wipes out all the camps, wipes out everything, comes back to Achish and says, uh, I've done what you wanted me to do. I just want you to see it. Not good days for David. Not, not good in what, what David is, is having to deal with at this time. End of verse 11, such was his practice as long as he lived in the Philistine territories. He does this for over a year. Uh, this is David's way. Verse 12, Achish trusted David and said to himself, He has become uh, so odious to his people that the, uh, the, Isra uh, the Israelites that he may be my servant forever. Notice that, that Achish thinks, you know, he's obviously detestable to the people of Israel because of what he's doing. Uh, if he's do carrying out these attacks like he says he is, uh, Israel's obviously going to turn their back on him. He thinks that David is attacking Israel on all of these raids and wiping them out and bringing back the spoils. And Achish thinks, you know what? We've got David with us. He's our servant. We're, we're good to go. Uh, he's one of us as he's attacking his own country and his own kindred people. Interesting scene that's presented. Chapter 8, chapter 28 is a break of a story that we talked about last Sunday night. Chapter 29 picks up the rest of the story. So jump over to chapter 29. We have the Philistines gathered all together, the forces of Aphek, the, the Israel camped by the spring of Jezreel. What we have in chapter 29 is the Philistines and the people of Israel going to battle again. It's time for war. Uh, they've been battling all over the place. We've seen that in David's life. And then another conflict arises. They're going to go to battle. And so what we have in verse 2 is that the Philistine rulers are getting their, their uh, armies all together. They're getting all lined up. And uh, one of the commanders of the Philistines, as you can imagine, they're all on their horses and they're all lined up ready to go to battle. One of the commanders kind of rides by there and says, why do we have these Hebrews over here on our side going into battle? Uh, we don't want them. We're going to go into battle. What they're going to do is turn on us as soon as we go into war. Why, why do we be carrying some Israelites on our team? What he's pointing out is David and his 600 men. Why in the world would they be going out to battle with us? And, and Achish says... Uh, 
It says, uh, verse 3, Is this not David, who was an officer of, of Saul, king of Israel? He has already been with me for over a year, and from the day he left Saul until now, I have found no fault with him. And Achish defends David and says, They've been doing everything we wanted him to do. He's going to go into battle against Israel and going to be victorious with us as we go in. Uh, verse 4, the Philistine commanders are angry. And they said, send him back, that, that we, he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go with us in the battle, or he will turn against us during the fight. Uh, how better could he regain the master's favor than by taking the heads of his own men? Isn't this the David who they spoke of, Saul slain his thousands, and David's his ten thousands? And, and, and Achish is, it does all the defending he can of David, uh, but it's not going to happen. The Philistine commanders, um, they're not going to let David ride. And I would like to read this and think, well, maybe that's what David was going to do. Maybe David was going to go into battle and then turn against the Philistines and, and do that. But A, the scriptures don't tell us that. And B, notice that David is really upset about this. In verse 8, when, when Achish tells him that you can't come with us, notice David's defense. He says, what have I done? What have you found against your servant from the day I came to you until now? Why can't I go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? He's speaking about the enemies of the Philistines. He's talking about, why can't I go in there and kill the Israelites too? Uh, I really, again, think that David just kind of, as we've mentioned in chapter 27, kind of thrown his hands in the air and said, uh, Saul's going to kill me, so I might as well live over here and be part of you people and be part uh, of, the, of the Philistines instead. But Achish, verse 9, says, you can't, you're not going to go with us. So verse 11, we see David and his men, Go back to Ziklag, and they're riding back to that city. Chapter 30. Things don't get any better for David. Notice in chapter 30 what happens. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. And while they'd been gone, says there in verse 1, the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. And they had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters were captive. And so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Can you imagine coming back to that scene? You've just been rejected by the Philistines now, who won't let you go into battle because they don't trust you. And so David and his 600 men come riding back into the city that they've been living in for almost a year and a half now. And they come in, you can just imagine seeing the smoke of the city out. And go in and find your family's not there. None of their families are there. The Amalekites have come in while you've been trying to go battle for the Philistines. And they have come in and wiped out the city. They have taken your family, taken all the families captive, and gone away. And so verse 3 tells us they're, of course, very upset. Verse 4, they're weeping. Verse 5, we're told uh, Abigail is is one of them. Uh, David's wives are are also taken in this siege uh, that takes place. Things get really bad in verse 6. And David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. David's about to get killed now. You can imagine. Now the 600 soldiers say, "What? Are, we've been with this guy sleeping in caves and living in fields. And what good has that brought us? Now we're over here in the Philistines and now look at what's taking place. David's left it where we've lost our families. And so they all talk about killing David. And I think then the end of verse 6 is 
the light bulb dawning point for David. But then David found strength from the Lord his God. Finally, it seems like, ah, (laughs) David now comes to his senses and goes to God. After this year and nearly a half time frame of David deciding, well, here's what I need to do. Saul's going to kill me, so I'm making all these decisions on my own. And so I'm going to go live in the Philistines and things will be so much better over there. And things will be better over there. No, they end up, don't trust you there. You're not going to be able to live amongst them either. And on top of it, what happens? Even more bad stuff happens. That's my whole point. You go move somewhere else, bad stuff's going to happen wherever you live. Don't think moving's going to fix the problem. And that's what David begins to understand, I think. But the end of verse, verse 6 then, here is the point. Finally then, he says, I need to consult God. Notice verse 7. David says to Abathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord. Ah, a phrase we have been missing for quite a while at this point of the story. He now inquires of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? God responds, yes, pursue them, and he is successful. David then goes after the Amalekites. They're able to get back their families. Not one of them lost, none of their children lost, none of their wives lost, and so everything begins to turn around. So God grants David the victory. They're able to recover their families unharmed. It seems that we finally have David back to where he needs to be, asking of God, inquiring of God, and victory comes to him again. I kind of just thought, you know, as I read that story, I thought, welcome back, David. (laughs) Welcome back, finally, to see where you need to be. And what I wanted to do with that lesson and that story is just make a couple of points from what we see with David. For me, first of all, as you read David's life, I I think it is so useful to remember that his life was not all about a bunch of great victories, that he just went from peak to peak and he just... He defeats Goliath, and he's the king of Israel, and look how great everything is. I want you to see how bad things really got for David. That even the men he ended up trusting the most, the only men that he had, those 600 men, were about to kill him there at that last moment. And David finally realizes all he has is him and God. That's all he's got. He doesn't even have his 600 closest men anymore. It's just him and God. And David says, that's where I'm going to find my strength. And so to begin with, even a person that is described by God as a man after God's own heart is going to hit the lows of life. And I think we just have to see that reality, is that even people who are serving God with all of their heart, even people who have experienced great victories in trying to be God's servants are going to hit great valleys. You're going to hit those times in life where you're going to experience great distress. You're going to go through problems. And you might even get to the point where David was where you stopped consulting God. And you decide, you know what, I'm just going to rely upon myself. It's just me and there's nobody else around to rely upon. I've got to make decisions for me and what's good for Brent is just going to be the way it's going to be. No more God. And I just want us to see that even David went through those times. Even David experienced that kind of difficulty. And when we hit those challenging times of life, we face a great but difficult question. Are we going to rely upon God or are we going to rely upon ourselves? 
We are placed at a crossroads of life. Who are we really going to trust? Are we really going to trust God to get us through the difficulty? Or are we going to trust in ourselves to pull ourselves through the difficulty? I want you to see that's really the crossroads that David stood at. Will he believe that what Samuel and Jonathan and Abigail and Saul had all told him repeatedly that he was going to be king of Israel? Will David believe that that will really come about? Even though it doesn't look like there's a chance it could happen. Will he believe that's going to really come about? Or will you throw your hands in the air and say, God must have missed the mark on that one. You know, we see those questions throughout Old Testament. Our Old Testament, we read about the heroes of faith. You know, Abraham was that way. How, how am I going to be uh, the father of many nations? I don't even have my own child. Here, what, what are we going to do here? We've got my slave. He's going to inherit everything. Abraham and Sarah concocting schemes that we'll have a Hagar and Ishmael. We'll get all that worked out. You know, it's the same, same conundrum, the same crux of the problem that happens. Are we really going to believe that God is going to deliver on His promises or do we need to go, go about it our own way and try to come up with our own plan? Abraham and Sarah, they'd try their own plan. David, I'd try my own plan. And, and David's plan, of course, doesn't work. He's not going to solve his problems. And we have to realize that running or trying things our own way doesn't ever fix our problems. There's nothing that we're going to do in this life that's going to make things better, no matter how difficult our life circumstances are engaging in sinful activities. It's not going to fix the problem. Giving up on God is not going to get rid of the trial. Forgetting God's promises is not going to make all of our sorrows go away. And it's important for us to always remember God has told us He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. No matter how difficult life gets, we have to remind ourselves that the things that happen in this world, these physical things, are not what life is all about. And no matter how bad things get, no matter how awful it can be with our family or our friends or our jobs or anything that gets thrown at us, that's not what life consists of. Our life is about being with God. And so it can get real ugly. We can lose spouse, children, parents. We can lose job. We can lose wealth. We can lose everything that we planned our life to be like. And, and, and go through and just wonder, well, where's God in all this? Now, God is with us. And it's up to us to remember that we're going to hit life's lows. And we are called upon to trust God no matter what. The second thing is that there is a call that I see in the story of a need to be quicker to pray. And that's what we see lacking in this scene of, of the, this historical record is it took a while for David to seem to want to inquire of the Lord. Where was this getting Abathar back at the beginning of chapter 27? As he's thinking in his mind, you know what, Saul's going to kill me. I'm, like, I'm going to perish, so uh, there's nothing better for me to do than to move to the Philistines. But he doesn't then go get the Urim and Thummim as he does there in chapter, chapter 30 and go, okay, Lord, should I move to the land of the Philistines? He doesn't inquire of God here at this moment. He just simply goes with his own thought process and says, this is what I should do with my life, makes the decision, 
And off they move to the land of the Philistines. Only at the end does he go, I need to ask God about what I should be doing. Friends, that's the way we need to be in life. Especially when we are emotionally turned upside down. It's time to be talking to God all the more. We need to be quicker to pray. When things are really tough, when things are really hard, ask God. Rely upon God. Turn to God. Lord, I don't know what I should do right now. I need some assistance. I need some strengthening. I need, my soul needs encouraging. I need your help. And often we make bad decisions in the middle of our distress. We make the decisions that were the worst thing that we could have done, as David does here. And often we turn away from God rather than turning to God. But one of the greatest things that I love about the story is that you're never too low to not be able to come back. David was never too far away that he couldn't stop and go, you know what? It's about time I inquire of the Lord. What have I been doing for all this while, living out here in a place I shouldn't have been living? It's about time for me to ask God. And I think that is so important for us to remember is that there was never a decision bad enough that David could make that he couldn't come back to God. And there's nothing in your life or in my life that it doesn't matter how bad it gets or how bad a decision we've made or how far away we may have strayed from God how far we might have gone down our own path, making our own decisions, not asking God about anything, never praying, just doing things our own way. There's never a point where you're too far that you cannot decide, today, at this very moment, I need to come back to God. I need to inquire of the Lord. I need to do what He says. It is time to make my life straight. It doesn't matter how much wickedness you and I may have committed. It doesn't matter how bad that decision was. You can change your heart today and decide today is the day to inquire of the Lord. Today is the day to follow the Lord. Today is the day to allow my decisions to revolve around God. He's never left you. The question is, if you have you left God? He hasn't left you. He has not forsaken you. He still loves you just as much today as he always did from the very day of creation. The question is, are we loving God? Are we deciding to follow him no matter what, no matter how tough it gets, no matter how difficult the circumstances arise, we're going to stick with God through thick and thin. And for me, I think it's just a great story that often gets overlooked of the desperate times in David's life when he went down the wrong road but realized it was time to come back and serve God. I invite you this morning to think about where you stand with God. And you may have gone down a road that is too far away. And you may think, I've done too much. You may think, my separation is too great. Grant, you have no idea the things that I've done in my life. And all I can tell you is, you're right, I don't know. But I can also tell you it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how much you may have lived for self. It doesn't matter how difficult your life may get. You can always turn back to God. Change your heart. Turn away from the sinful life. Realize that living for self doesn't fix anything. Moving far away doesn't fix it. Engaging in sinful activity doesn't doesn't fix it. Getting new wives and husbands won't fix it. That's what our society, I mean, that's what our society thinks is going to fix it. You wonder why the divorce rate's over 50%? 
that's going to make us all feel better. No, that's not going to fix it. The problems don't change. It's between you and God. You have to get right with God. Won't you decide to do that today? Be immersed in water to have your sins washed away. Get the sins away. Get those sins off of you. Come before God clean, whole in His sight, a fresh start with the promise of eternal life. Won't you do that right now while we stand and while we sing?